Hi, this is Marlene, and I want to welcome you to another episode of Stories of the Supernatural. Whether you're watching a video or listening to a podcast, please like and subscribe to us so that you can get notification of when a new show is released. Links to videos or MP3 files can be found on MiamiGhostChronicles.com. Go to MarlenePardo.com for information on new book releases. I narrate several podcast series that can be found on major podcast platforms and can also be listened to via Alexa, Sonos, and other home systems. Look for Supernatural Storytime for scary storytelling, Nightshade Diary for classic horror and adventure stories, Stories of the Supernatural for interviews with different guests on the show. If you want to get noteworthy news about the paranormal world, true crime, conspiracy stories, and anything that is just plain weird, you can visit Strange Than Fiction Stories tab at MiamiGhostChronicles.com or find us on Blogspot. I want to thank you for being part of my audience, and I think you are all wonderful. Hi, everybody. This is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles Stories of the Supernatural. How's everybody doing? Good. <laughs> My last episode, I inserted for the people that saw the actual video versus the podcast, obviously. I inserted because everybody had been asking about my chickens and the roosters and everything. And, and I did a short clip. I walked around the new property that I'm at in central northern Florida. And everybody was like, oh, my God, you have these chickens and they're beautiful. And and, you, and the one and you, you, you have chicks. And, and be, my point being that between last week and this week, um, because I showed some people how I had two uh, hens that took decided to use these, uh, you know, these uh, sling chairs that they they nested there and um, I had some new chicks. I got new chicks. And so people were saying, oh, <laughs> in between the talk of the paranormal stuff and unusual things, throw in there more clips and information about your chickens. <laughs> so uh, I, I'll, I'll probably in the next couple of episodes, I'll go out there and I'll show some clips of the new chicks that I got and uh, and all the things about all my other recovery and recovery chickens that I showed everybody on the clip about because everybody's like oh and that rooster that's blind and it's like yeah I'll go, we'll go back to him and check him out he's fine you know he's just blind but anyway let's get on to the good stuff guys and also by the way i am going to address it because a lot of people are saying wow i heard that out where you live there's a lot of ufo sightings and i said yeah unbeknownst to me i mean i was aware but not as aware but it, right hot in the heels of that uh, let's get on to the good part, which is who I have on today as a guest. I have a gentleman very well known in this field, which is ufology, extraterrestrial contact, and his name is Daryl Sims, the alien hunter. Okay. And for, for those of you who might not have seen him or are not entirely familiar with the story, let me tell you about Daryl. More than 40 years ago, he had his first encounter with an alien presence. At the age of 17, he experienced a malignant contact with these alien beings that would alter his life forever. As a result of the violent encounter, he made a decision that he would no longer willingly be victim to the bizarre quests of alien entities. He was determined to change his role in life from being the hunted to the hunter. When these same beings later came for his five-year-old son, Darrell, he put his hunt into high gear. Daryl began preparing himself for his lifelong quest of pursuing the alien prey. 
Every path he took would equip him mentally, physically, and spiritually to become a warrior for the cause and to assume the role he feels he was born to play. As a result, Daryl has spent the past three decades researching the world of alien beings. His focus has been twofold to acquire the skills necessary to design and implement a program of compassionate and effective counseling for victims of alien contact and to collect and analyze medical and scientific evidence of the alien presence. He has spent years studying and training in a broad range of areas that would provide him with a full array of skills necessary to search for and acquire evidence of these creatures. He has served in military intelligence and worked with the CIA, and after the service worked as a police officer and as a licensed private investigator. As a teenager, he was gifted at martial arts and became an instructor, though he himself had no formal training. As an adult, he kept several exotic animals, including a tiger and pet python. From advanced scuba diving training to skill with weaponry, from his certification as a master hypnotherapist, yay, and certified medical hypnoanesthesiologist to studies in graphoanalysis, Daryl's eclectic accomplishments have had a single aim to defeat the alien menace, and we're going to talk a lot about that. Not surprisingly, given his background, Daryl approaches an alien abductions as if it were a crime scene, every element from the victim's demeanor to forensic traces in the environment is a vital clue in solving the alien mystery. Each case enhances his unique perspective as a preeminent profiler of alien beings. Every clue contributes to the patterns Daryl has observed in hundreds of cases he has examined worldwide. These informed viewpoints will be shared, hopefully, tonight. How are you doing, Daryl? It is such a pleasure to have you on the show. How are you I doing today? I am excited to be here. Good. That. Thank you for inviting me. No, on the contrary. It's my pleasure. Um, I'm going to, you know, the part of the introduction explained how you came to be in this, but can you describe what happened? What was that first encounter that, that, you, that says altered your life? Certainly. The, uh, when I was four years old, um, I was normally sleeping in uh, 1005 South K Street, Midland, Texas, and uh, I sensed something wrong in the room, and I opened my eyes, and uh, I realized that there was an entity in the room, and he was leaving. I didn't know at the time. He had just brought me back and left me in this trance-like state where I'm not supposed to remember. Problem is, I did remember, and as I saw him walking away, I said to myself, he's going to bump into the wall. I didn't know he came through the wall. And as soon as I thought that in my head, he must have heard it because he turned around immediately and he said something that blew me away because I heard in my head, he said, and he said, it's awake. And he was referring to me. It's awake? He it's, wow. And I was the it, and I was just, for four years old, you don't have much, you, you think differently than adults. I mean, I looked at him when he turned around, he was a skinny little guy, I mean, like almost like a stick figure creature with a mm -hmm. large bulbous head, he was pure white, and he had large round, large round black eyes, about an inch and a half across each. And as I looked at him, like I said, kids notice things adults wouldn't normally, most adults would be in awe or in fear. One mm -hmm. of the two. Me, I'm sitting there trying to figure out where's his TT. 
And you're right. That's the kind of things kids do look yes, at. Got any clothes on? Where I? What's wrong with this guy? And then I looked at uh, looked at uh, noticed he didn't have a navel, and I thought, well, where's his belly button? And mm -hmm. of course, as an investigator later on, I finally figured out that if you don't have a navel, you didn't get here the way we do. Right. You were hatched, cloned, made, or manufactured. Or hatched, no umbilical cord to mama. Yeah. And if you don't have genitalia, you don't procreate. That's so again, right. somebody, in my opinion, hatched, cloned, made, or manufactured you for this purpose. Mm -hmm. Yeah, procreation is not amongst the, uh, you're the circle of life kind of thing. When you saw him, did you feel any menace or was it just strictly like it? Because that sounds very like, God. He 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 uh, referred to me as it, and uh, there was nothing personal about it. What's right. Uh, I learned a lot of things at age four that I, I finally put together later in life. Uh, I wasn't afraid. I, I was sitting up in bed. I had my quilts wrapped around me because I was cold, mm -hmm. and I couldn't understand why he didn't have any clothes on in the middle of winter. Exactly. How did he get in our house? All these little things, you know, right. normal stuff. Then at that point, he realized he. I'm going to remember, and mm -hmm. he uh, moved toward me, and I saw a little little red tinge or something under one of his black eyes. I later found out that that eye that was an eye cover. But uh, the main thing that I noticed immediately as his eyes made a, a movement toward me. Uh, I became instantly paralyzed with the most horrific fear. Uh, you got to understand four years old, you don't know much about anything. Of course not. And I don't know anything about horrible fears or anything like that. I've watched monster movies. There weren't any back then in 1952. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden I became paralyzed and I fell backwards on the bed and he was moving toward me. And that really frightened me that this, this fear, where did it come from? Uh, anyway, I, I pushed as uh, hard as I could against my little tiny cot and it pushed apart from the, the wall and the cot made a V basically and I fell wrapped up in my covers. And so I was laying literally under the bed. Mm -hmm. My head bounced off the floor and it was the kid's worst nightmare. He couldn't wow. get to me that way. So he lifted up the covers of my bed and stuck his large bulbous head under the bed looking at me and got his eye right next to mine. And he programmed me at that point to think he was a, a clown. And I later found out that a lot of abductees have clown phobias and they don't know. Oh them. my God. I was kind of about to say, talk about the stuff of horror movies. That right there sums it up very much. And you're right. There's a lot of people. My son is one of them, by the way. Yes. Who uh, you talk about clowns, painted faces, masks. No, no, no way. No. No way. The second thing I learned was that the fear that he placed upon me was not my own. It wasn't me being afraid of him because I wasn't afraid of him. It was him placing, it was him transferring his fear to me. And the fact is they live in a society we don't know anything about. We think we do. We think, we try to imagine them as having a life kind of like us. They, mm -hmm. don't. they live in a, in a very structured a militaristic and a fear-laden uh, society. And it's almost like a drug when they transfer their fear to you because now it's not on them. 
do they have any type of moral compass like we do? I mean, people do things that are wrong, but they know they're wrong, unless you're psychopathic. But hey, uh, the the this comes up a lot when people ask good or evil. And of course, there's good guys and bad guys and all this. And I I get this thing all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, well, the aliens, you know, uh, you know, they uh, they abducted you. You just didn't understand it. You're they're far higher than you. They're better and taller and longer. All this sort of thing. I said, you know, the weird thing about that is when I was a police officer and I investigated murder cases and especially kidnapping cases, mm -hmm. no one ever came up to me after I brought their child back to them and they said, and said this thing, you know, there are good kidnappers and bad kidnappers, Daryl. Right. No one ever says that. Right. You're misjudging them. Right. Right. So the thing that I'm trying to get across is I made the, the statement to begin with and a lot of things I learned about him and it from my age four experience, he didn't have any genitalia, he didn't have a belly button. That meant that he was hatched, cloned, made, or manufactured for some specific purpose. And I suspect one of them was why he was in that room. My point is that if he was manufactured, made, hatched, cloned, and so on, then what he's doing, good or bad, and because some people taken or have the positive experiences and others have horrific ones some mm -hmm. like cattle or mutilated i mean there are horrible things that can happen and very good things i mean so people say well it was good ones that got me and bad ones that got you and that's actually not true they're working for someone that made hats clone or manufactured them and they simply do what they're told to do it makes no difference to them if there is a moral issue here it's with the ones who made them not with in the other people. words there's no compassion for us, let's, you know, it's the, it's, I don't know what to call us. Do you, do you think that they're, or at least this one, that they're biomechanical? Some of them, based on the research that I've done over the last 40 years, is uh, some of them appear, some of the grays especially, appear to be biomechanical. Some of them appear to be bio, uh, biologic in, in itself, and mm -hmm. some appear to be even mechanical. So it, it depends on the experience of the individual. I've got 2,000 cases worldwide and right. spoken to tens of thousands of people over the years. So I've collected quite a bit of data. Daryl, how about, because I've heard of this theory that there's several different, I don't know whether you're going to call them races or species, I don't know how to differentiate, uh, of extraterrestrials visiting us or involved with us. Do you think, like, but they're separate from each other. They're... Do you think that's accurate? I, I do not. Uh, I, I think it's a reasonable uh, statement to make mm -hmm. uh, based on limited information. My information is uh, substantial. And by that, I mean uh, we have some DNA and other things that indicate to us that these beings are, in fact, uh, every one of them, all seven, are interrelated in, in, in the sense that they're not species. They're right. models. It's, in other words, if you look at the little gray, it's got an IQ of about 80, which is pretty low. Right. Uh, if you look at him as a Chevette at a, at a car company, and you okay. look at the Nordic, the human-type being, that's uh, got a very high IQ at the other end, like a Corvette Stingray, right. you see the differences between them. But all the DNA of each of them, looks like it comes from planet earth really yes that's wow. the stunning part of it 
when, uh, for instance, when one of these seven beings that that, uh, that I put in the classification of quote unquote the alien is the Bigfoot. He's okay. uh, he, we've actually seen all eight of the all seven of them on the same craft at the same time. We've even had eight witnesses to that effect. They they all were were in the in the same place. The point is that. Uh, some people that knew me very well and know that uh, my, my interest in the medical and the scientific end of this said they're doing a DNA test on Bigfoot, some Bigfoot DNA. And what you need to do is send some of your evidence down there and let them look at it. You know, you can really show them. I said, I'm sure they're happy with what they've got. And I don't care. I'm not a Bigfoot investigator. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean that I don't have samples of, of, of his DNA. I've got hair samples from the 80s. And uh, a fingernail and a urine sample from an adolescent uh, from several years ago. So just because I don't focus on them doesn't mean that I don't have the evidence. So okay. I talked to Dr. Melville Kepson's people and told them about some of the evidence I had. And they said they already had plenty for the testing. I said, that's fine. I said, uh, if you need any more, let me know. And uh, they did their testing and they found out two things. They found out that the Bigfoot is an ape-like creature. Well, no surprise there. It's a simian. Right. Yeah. The second thing they found out was what supports my view that I just mentioned, that some of that DNA comes from here. Number one, that these simian comes from here. I don't think they find very many apes on Jupiter or Saturn or, you know, other planets roaming around the world. Right. But the second thing they found out, that he had modern human woman mitochondrial DNA. What? So what does that mean? How does that happen? That happens in one very specific way. He's a transgenic being. Yeah, that 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 that's that. I want to say that's breeding. That's a thank you, thank you. Very astute observation on your part. Yeah, yeah. That's that's exactly what you. So basically, what we're talking about is something or oh, something. I don't want to somebody or I don't know what to call them. That was manufactured as far as. Uh, genetics, uh, you know, because people say, and I'm going to give you an example. Once upon a time, they never thought that modern man and Neanderthals bred. They kind of like were overlapping, but there was never any belief that Neanderthals. And then, you know, we found out now when people have gotten tested that there was because people have some type of Neanderthal, supposedly, um, genetics in you. So it shows, okay, there was some type of breeding. Yes. And then apparently they died out, but something like this, it makes you wonder: was was it was it them manipulating that and us? Or? In my opinion, uh, there the contact phenomena, which is called often abduction or contact, whatever you want to refer to it as, is probably no uh, probably no older than two hundred years, and probably a lot less than that. Really. The uh, this the, the information I'm telling you here, you're not going to read it in a lot of books. It just mm-hmm. isn't. right. The uh, the information uh, the the contact phenomena is a program that's been running for about less than two hundred years, and probably a hundred, and it's almost over. The uh, we don't know when, but we have pretty good information that the program will end in, in the next. Uh, 50, 60 years, maybe le- maybe less than that, maybe five years. We don't know. We weren't told. Mm-hmm. But the point is that 
these are just programs. The pro, the Giants is a good example. People say, well, you know, you don't know anything about Giants. I know all about it. And I said, well, I wouldn't say that if I were you. I said, uh, I, I may have evidence you don't know anything about. I said, Giants were just another program. They were between six to 10,000 years ago, mm-hmm. part of this program. The alien was on, is, is a latter part of this program for the last uh, six to 10,000 years. So um, there are a lot of other programs that were, were done in, in mankind's history, most of which he was not privy to. He, would just, right. he, just, he thinks he knows. He, he, he eats, he sleeps, he watches TV, he, uh, he pulls out his briefcase, goes to work or whatever, and doesn't pay attention to anything else. Something right. normal or unusual happens. He, he just kind of brushes it off and says, well, it's just one of those things. I like Moonburn, I guess. What do you think? I mean, you might not have the answer. This is just me asking. To, why are they interested in us? Do they need us? They, they anything? They're they're never going to tell you the answer to that. Of course not. I'm just. I tell you, they, uh, after, and I've worked with people for many many years, and uh, they, ones that were even promised, had wonderful contact experiences, and they were told they were going to be told the big one, the truth, everything. Mm-hmm. never be told simply because in my opinion some of the aliens themselves don't even know what it is they only do what they're supposed to do do you think they're interdimensional beings or do they travel as in like light years like you know when we think of them coming from a distant planet there's a i have several answers for that the first answer is uh i met a dsp satellite specialist and he said uh he met me at a conference in california and he says i was sitting there blown away by your presentation i said what was it that interested you he said well you look for evidence in the visible range cuts scars bruises things like that and I said, yes he said but you also look for evidence in the infrared and the ultraviolet v- invisible range why that's because the alien sees in all three of those at the same time okay and he says, well, the reason that interests me is we have a satellite, satellite system called the DSP satellites, and I'm a top-secret specialist in that area. And I said, okay. And he said, uh, the three lenses we have on those DSP satellite, 18 geosynchronous satellites, 2,700 miles up, are infrared, ultraviolet, and visible light. I said, it makes you wonder what they're looking at. Yeah, exactly. And I said, let me ask you a question. If when a UFO is there, present, there it is, three-dimensional, they take a picture of it and video and everything, and all of a sudden it winks out, It, I don't think that it went to another dimension. And what do you think? He just smiled. And he, I said, I said, it went to the infrared or the, or the ultraviolet range just out of our vision. Ah. He said, he smiled and said, that's true. Like a cloaking kind of device is what you're talking about. But it doesn't cloak from the DSP satellites, but it does cloak from Mm -hmm. us visually. So he said we can see it. That's, no, I mean, that's a good, because I know that that's one of the reasons that people have said, well, maybe they're interdimensionals, which is when they just suddenly just, they're gone. They're off of visual, you know, uh, radar, everything. They're just, they disappear. 
sometimes, uh, and, and based on some very, very recent evidence and claims of very high-level uh, intelligence people who have some of the uh, crash craft of Roswell and even mm -hmm. or, uh their statement is that these craft are, in other words, we think because we captured one at Roswell that we, it's easy to back engineer. Uh, right. That could not be further from the truth. The fact is, in my opinion, we were allowed to catch the craft at Roswell mm -hmm. by thinking that we were the ones that brought it down. There are two craft that crashed, one at Roswell and one in Corona. These two craft, uh, the, all the beings died ultimately except for one. That's the, That was the whole plan of the alien. The alien functions just like an intelligence community. They lie and they lie consistently. They have what I refer to as cover stories, just like we did in the intelligence business. So when the uh, military thought they had uh, captured a, a UFO, they, it, it was crashed on purpose. It was my okay. point. And the reason was to get inside the intelligence community with one of their beings. The best way to think of the alien, wow. he's, he's, he basically is a, uh, a biological tape recorder. Any abductee or any contactee, anybody's had any of these experiences will tell you in a minute that if you're sitting in front of that being or he's got you in a, your home or in a craft, he mm -hmm. can upload or download all the information in your head instantly. Which is what that, it sounded like when you said that, that you had that encounter when you were a child. Like basically, you were describing he was reading your mind. He was for a fact. And the fact is what we did, well, while they had the one live being at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, they were trying to feed it ice cream and different stupid things because they actually thought that it was uh, didn't have a clue. In fact, right. he's, he's downloading all the information from the top military and industrial complex general sitting in front of him. So he was a Trojan horse is what you're saying? That, that information would later be uh, when the alien, other aliens would come in the room, would, they would upload that information, and now they know exactly what they need to know in the story. Right, because in other words, everybody's thinking that to pass on information, it's either written or spoken or verbal. Yeah, and the... And, and what you're saying is they can transmit the thought, as sounds like what you're describing. They can transmit that information rapidly. The problem was they had to be able to get someone in the presence of this one of these top generals uh, and we know exactly which general it was and he was the top guy on the shelf and uh, it took the military in my opinion a while to figure out this thing it, regardless of the fact that it wasn't the sharpest knife in the drawer so to speak it had tremendous abilities to upload and download information at that point they were obviously isolated so Another well, I want to say they're they're. It sounds like they're all knowing, but not that all knowing in the sense of um, acquiring information or intelligence. The uh, the the here's a one of my uh, top abductees, an engineer, uh, probably one of the smartest. He's a genius by he literally is. Um, he was asked by uh, a very important person in the UFO community. Uh, she said. Oh, well, the aliens are so far ahead of us that, that we couldn't possibly begin to understand anything. 
and uh, he said, if if six grays were in an unlocked room without instructions on how to operate the doorknob, they'd starve to death. <laughs> he didn't like that at all. He's telling the truth. Right. And they're given instructions on what to do. They don't have, they, they don't have independent thought and into capacities. We do. It's that is our thinking is referred to by them as an infestation. Oh, so let me, what about this um, theory or view that you, that you hear that they are found in uh, proximity to nuclear facilities or, cap you know, anything that's got nuclear capabilities as in arms, as in they're going to save us if we ever do something stupid. Do you think that's accurate? I, I don't because uh, I think the, the, the fact is what people are missing the, the real obvious answer to me they're they're getting into their into your intelligentsia that's mm -hmm. the point. and uh, in one case they uh, the maelstrom uh, air force base and also in russia and in different locations uh one soviet uh, uh general noted that they lit up all his nuclear weapons they didn't turn them off they lit them up and of course the question i wanted to ask him was where were those missiles pointed during Glasnost, and we know where they're pointed. They're pointed exactly where they were. Nothing ever changed, and that's it. Scared, scared him after death because they could have started a nuclear war just by allowing them to fire. And by the same token, uh, they, you say, well, they switch them off. That's true. In some cases, they turn them on, switch them off. But in, in some cases, they turned them on and left them on almost to launch. Well. The fact that they could turn them on, that's enough to, that's to be very frightening. Yes. Now, you, you mentioned, um, you know, everybody's very familiar with the cattle mutilations, and I think they're horrific because, I mean, how many, do, do you really, is that connected to, to extraterrestrials? And if so, why? I mean, how many cattle do you need to mutilate to find out what? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Brilliant question. People are, some people are just, oh my gosh, they mutilated a cow. That's horrible. Ooh, they're missing the whole point. Why did you need to mutilate a cow? We've got human beings that have been mutilated. I can, it, I do, I only show these for medical personnel, doctors, mm -hmm. others. Uh, but we've got cases of people, one elderly woman who was skinned alive in her, in her bed. Oh not my God. Blood, not a drop of blood in the bed whatsoever. What kind of science, uh, high-level science, needs that from another dimension? None, in my opinion. So the question is, why? What's the point of all this, uh, this right. torture and so on? And uh, I have to go backwards, uh, if I may, real sure, quick. Sure, of course. To uh, a case where there was a UFO event that uh, everyone in the family saw the alien in the room. And uh, and every one of them were abducted, including the the daughter's boyfriend who was there. He found his underwear folded at the end of his bed. He never came back to that place again. I'm sure uh, he was scared out of his wits. The family split up. There were they were teenagers in the family. They all split up, and literally, I know the family very well. Known them for a long time. And finally, the mother came to me uh, about a year later and said, "Please work with me." I need to find out what actually happened. Something happened 
that split our family up. And I said, that is true. Long story short is she uh, uh, began to, as uh, she went into her hypnotic uh, trance, she went and started describing her doctor's office, said, my doctor's here. And I said, are you sure? And she said, absolutely. Now, this is where hypnotherapists get sued and lose their license and get, and lose everything. When you're I saying said, a doctor, you mean an MD or as in, uh, or was, uh, are we talking mental health? I have an MD. She said, okay. my doctor's here. I knew, I knew right, because I've done thousands of these cases. I knew that it wasn't the MD. It was the doctor that some people refer to as the alien. So she oh. kept saying, I'm in my doctor's office. Now he used that visualization to make her comfortable. Okay. And all of a sudden she's, I said, can you see the doctor yet? And she says, no. I said, if you see him or any part of him, let me know. And she keeps slapping behind herself. She said, stop it. And we, of course, me and the lady that are filming this have got it on film. And she says, stop that. And I said, what's going on? I said, he keeps touching me. Touching you, what do you mean? Where? You know where? And I said, no, I don't. Where? And she's, dare, stop touching me. And finally she starts crying. And it, because he keeps touching her and uh, sexually arousing her. And mm -hmm. then he says, uh, then she says, I asked her the question. I said, I want you to look at the doctor's office and tell me how many corners are in there in, in the office. Okay. And she looks around in a huge circle and says, there aren't any. And so <laughs> I know if she's hallucinating, I, I can make her hallucinate further at this point if she's not in memory. And I said, yes, there are. Count all the corners in that building now. And she keeps looking in a circle. She's in a circular room. She never was in her doctor's office. And that's not the doctor at all. Okay. Anyway, she cries and cries and cries. And finally, uh, I worked with her and she says, she cries. She says, why would he do something like, she described the doctor's hand, long white fingers. You know, it was the, okay. and she, she says, why would he do that to me? You know, she's a very moral lady. And she just said, I would, you know, I'm just not like this. And I said, I understand. Right. I said, I'll probably never see you again. So I think I'm going to tell you what I've never told anyone else. Just please do. I said, he has no genitalia. He has no interest in you whatsoever. He doesn't have a clue. But he has been instructed by someone who made, hatched, cloned, or manufactured him to do this to you, to download the passions, the emotions, the fears, all these things because it's going to be used like a drug for someone else. And I said, I, I'm telling you that because he, the best way to describe him is a tape recorder. So mm -hmm. the question about mutilations, the recording, a number of things, one of the, not the least of which is the pain and the agony of that animal. Exactly. That's exact. That, that's exact. Which I was gonna go in another. 
I said, okay, besides let's get the scientific, we want to whatever, take what out of it, you know, how many tissue samples that I'm thinking, okay, if, are we talking about the agony of an animal? Yes. I was thinking either one, that's a, what yes. you just mentioned that they're using it. Or I'm thinking, is there a spiritual component to this that we don't understand about this species that there's something that it does for them on a, I'm saying a spiritual because that's how we understand it. On a non-physical that satisfies them, I mean, it's kind of scary. But, but then what you're talking about is basically they're they're bottling it. <laughs> well, that is that is true. Uh, the the unfortunate thing is that the horrificness of this uh, extends to human beings as well as animals. Uh, I've worked with a, a lady one time that was an engineer, and uh, she. She uh, said, I filled out your form and uh, like 33 of the 36 things that would uh, indicate the, pos the possibility of someone being an abductee or a contactee was mine. And I, she said, I don't believe in any of this. I think it's all a bunch of bull. I don't believe a word of it. I'm a scientist. This is the way it is. And I said, okay. She said, that body is not at all. I said, you are or you're not. I can't make you anything. That's it's just that simple. A year and a half later, she came to me in Arizona when I was at the conference. And she said, I want you to work with me. And I did. And immediately, immediately, she was five years old and she's walking inside a craft with an alien holding her little hand. And she looked to the right in a room and there was a cow being mutilated alive in that room. She was horrified. God, that's horrible. Five years old and watched. What do you think the purpose is? And, and you could speak firsthand for this. What the abduction of a child? <laughs> control. It's all it's always about control. If the okay. earlier you abduct a child, the mm -hmm. easier it is for you to program them. Uh, many of them are they will describe their abduction events as the teddy bear people or they have big black eyes or the wolf that came into my room with big black eyes or the mm -hmm. people I saw in the woods, large black eyes. These are screened memories or Casper, okay. the friendly ghost with big black eyes came into my room. So these are, these are given because they're nonsensical because they're not real. And second, because they're often benign. Sure, Therefore, of course. A child will accept that is okay. Sometimes they will use the image of your mother or your father or some relative. That's a scary a thought. Dog. So, and let me do they if we go down that road of control, in other words, this is why they start plucking you as since childhood. Yes. Is it ultimately to totally control? Are, are there humans walking around now as adults that are totally, totally under their control? I, I don't think so. Uh, and I, and I'll, I'll give you some, some good hope here mm -hmm. as well. Uh, I did, uh, I was an abductee for 13 years and okay. age 17, my events ended violently. And then I thought, yay. Um, then they came back and got my son and that changed me from a concerned father to the alien hunter. So I hunted and hunted me and hunted my son and they're hunting other people's children too. So you can mess with me and that's okay. 
I'll get over it. I'm a big guy. You come after my children and I'll hunt you down. I don't care if you're from another dimension or where you think you're from. What happened to you when you were 17? Because now, like you said, you're not a child. What well, happened? At, at age 17, five entities showed up in my room that were not alien. They were not any of the alien at all. In fact, they weren't alien, period. They were they were part and parcel to the ones who made, hatched, cloned, or manufactured them. And their purpose was not abduction. It was, I ended up with broken ribs that was later verified by the VA hospital. I've never had a, any recollection of broken ribs my entire life. Mm -hmm. If you have a bruised rib, you can hardly breathe. Broken right. ribs, you can't do anything. And yet, then some, some stupid person told me, Daryl, you just don't understand. They healed you. I said, no. They <laughs> They're the ones that did it. What are you talking about? Uh, anyway, so but people do have positive events, too. I get that. It depends on the program. If the program, it's still about control. One dear friend of mine, she's a wonderful lady. She said, I don't like him either, Daryl. But, uh, but I became an environmentalist out of this. Isn't that great? And I said, young wow. lady, I don't, I don't hate them. I said, I want to know what they're doing. I want to know everything. I said, what you don't understand is you're an environmentalist because that's what they wanted you to be. Well, couldn't it be like a coping mechanism or a Stockholm syndrome kind of thing? Like, they, how about that being abducted? I'm going along with it. I don't know. They, 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 there is an alien Stockholm syndrome, and we refer to them as contactees because these people are malleable. They're agreeable. Mm -hmm. Whatever mm -hmm. the alien wants, they they think it's good for them. And, I, and to answer that, I want to quote uh, one of our top scientists that just recently passed away, Dr. Stephen Hawking. Yes. Uh, oh, he gave a good warning on his way out. Dad died of Ligarian disease, so I know quite a bit about that. So anyway, they said, what do you think about the alien stuff? We're trying to find aliens, you know, with the, the SETI program and all this. He said, don't be naive. Don't be stupid. He said, if, you, if there is an alien race out there far superior to us, as you believe, he said, every superior race that's ever come into contact with a quote-unquote inferior race right. has taken it over, assimilated it, or destroyed it. Exactly, yes. He said, ask the American Indians how well that worked out for them. Yes, that's the truth. He said, stop doing this. You're, you're being stupid. Yeah. And uh, I, th I think he's right on target. Yeah. Conquest is conquest. You see it played out throughout history. Sure. So from minor stuff to, you know, let's say the Mongols, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Conquest is conquest, whichever way you look at it. Um, you keep referring to these beings, the point of origin. In other words, the ones that are running the show. Yes. Have you ever seen who or what are they? I've seen five of them. Are they, they human-like? Are they humanoid-looking? into my room. I've never described them for anyone, and the reason is because every time I do a conference or I get cornered on that, people mm -hmm. always say, "Tell me what they were like," because I had the exact same thing happen to me. And I said, "Okay, well, why don't you help me out? Why don't you describe them for me?" Because they're not just... in any. They're not in any UFO literature anywhere. And I, they all get these answers of, 
They have long, beautiful, blonde or white hair, and they were sitting at this great table, and they are part of the Galactic Council of the Wise or whatever. And that's it. <laughs> Council of the Wise. <laughs> Thank you for playing. <laughs> Wrong. They're not anything like that. Not, not in the slightest. Mm-hmm. Other people say, well, they're light beings or they're this. No. Wrong. <clears throat> Thank you for playing. You're guessing again. And the right. fact is, these beings are, uh, they are far different than us. And uh, the best way, well, I, the, finally, one PhD uh, said, wait a minute. There's someone behind all this. And I said, well, thank you for uh, mentioning that. Yes. Well, who could they be? And I said, well, there are two, two primary answers. And I'll give them both to you in all fairness. And you can pick out whatever flavor you like. I said, the first answer uh, people often gravitate to, if they read this phenomena a great deal, they read a, a guy named Zachariah Sitchin. And the problem with Sitchin is uh, he claims to be a Sumerian scholar. Okay. Uh, but I read some of his material and I realized he can't even translate Hebrew properly in places. Mm-hmm. So I took his work to a friend of mine who is a Sumerian Ugartic Hebrew scholar real okay and i said what's wrong with this picture and he says the guy he said i'm not going to trash him i'm just going to say that his renderings of the sumerian hebrew and other terminology in there is not exactly correct at all and i said well i'm not a scholar and i figured that out he said but he what he says is the gods that came down from the heavens and uh well that's kind of true the beings did come from heaven, but it's in Hebrew. It's kind of clear they got kicked out. They didn't get. Uh, they didn't just come down from the heavens. They were thrown out of heaven. Right. And exactly. some people refer to these as fallen angels. Okay. So Sitchin's half right, uh, but he tries to make it look like oh, they're like the the ancient like a ancient aliens TV show. Uh, mm-hmm. They're they're the gods that came down from the heavens. Uh, no, they're very high beings. There's no question about that, but they were thrown out. So that puts everybody in two categories right off the bat. Those that are still in heaven and those that were thrown out. Now, if you're thrown out of heaven, where do you think you might have wanted to go to first to wreak havoc? If, if heaven's choice of planets was a place called Earth, in which... Uh, an incredible place was made called Eden. In fact, the actual ancient name for earth was Eden, the garden of God, not the garden of Eden later became a place smaller uh, because of that conflict. The bottom line is simply that uh, the, their, uh, and, and some people ask me, you know, well, the Vedic literature says there are hundred thousand alien races in outer space. And I said, Hey, I don't know. I just work here. I haven't met a hundred thousand races out there. I've met a, a number of these guys that they call aliens. I said, I personally don't think I've actually met an alien. I think I've met beings that were made, has cloned, manufactured, make us think they are aliens. And someone else has got that delusion for some particular reason. And I don't like it. I said, my point is this. If we actually, if there, and there may be aliens out, I don't know that. It doesn't mm-hmm. hurt my feelings to think that there are. 
But if I think that we're going to meet aliens, quote unquote, really good, solid citizens of the universe, that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, well, which a lot of people, unfortunately, do. Think they're not that. coming here to barbecue us and uh, uh, make uh, some kind of salad out of us or, or, or mutilate our cattle in us. I just don't think that's going to work. No. Do you, do you believe that there's that they have a way of being parasitic in our body? In, in, in other words, not that they have the ability to basically be with somebody, not visually, but in, in, a, par not in a parasitic level. In other words, without maybe, if you, you know, you think of flesh and blood as in solid, but that they have I a have way two, of... Two I have two answers to your question. Uh, one, what they do is parasitic, simply because it's invasive. When they mm -hmm. put an implant in someone, which is very rare, implants are extremely rare. I don't want your audience to think for an instant that everybody's got a head contact, got an implant. They don't. Everybody's been in the presence of a UFO or that has seen an alien up close has already been programmed. That has already happened, period. Okay. That's why you have a view. You're, you either love them or you hate them. Or, I mean, it, where'd you get your view? You know, well, it's my own view. Actually, it's not. Uh, there's, there are reasons for this. So they're, uh, the things they do are invasive. They cut bruises, scars, and things they leave on people. The screen memories they leave on people, these are all invasive techniques. Okay. But in terms of uh, a, a, total, a person being, in my opinion, totally controlled, this would, uh, this would fall in a different category. Uh, okay. the, we have to go back historically to the giants. Uh, this goes back again to the fallen angelics because they okay. interbred with mankind, with human beings, and their offspring were giants. They were huge. And, okay. uh, and we could go into all that. But th the bottom line is simply this. Uh, in the, the book of Enoch, uh, the fallen angels uh, knew they had done horrible things and, to mankind and this creating this awful progeny on earth. And they asked uh, Enoch if he would intercede on the behalf of them to the Lord for forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Enoch did, according to the book of Enoch. And the Lord said, no. He said, their life, their lifespan shall be no more than 500 years and that they, they will never be forgiven of this. And that they, when they die, they will not rise in the resurrection. Now, that has a real specific meaning for the answer to your question. Okay. The giant died. He became a wandering spirit. Everybody said, well, what about the demons? Demons are just fallen angels. No, they're not. The definition of a demon, by definition, is disembodied spirit. Mm -hmm. That means he had a body, but he doesn't now. And if, if the scripture and the information is correct out of the book of Enoch, then these disembodied spirits are looking for bodies to inhabit. The aliens have a body. Someone told me that here a while back says, well, the aliens are demons because they can walk through walls. I said, you mean like Jesus did? As you're talking about a higher level of physics, don't be stupid. I said, my point to you is simply this. The, a, a disembodied spirit can inhabit a human being. They will often begin the program. Will, it's, it's a three-phase program, uh, it, and it ends up ultimately in a possession. And Jesus of Nazareth was very crystal clear about this. 
And when he met the madman of Gadbreth, everybody was scared to death of him because the man could break chains that were bound to his arms. He could break them. He had supernatural strength. And he, when he saw Jesus, he came before Jesus. And uh, the boy spoke out of the get, get madman of Gadbreth and said, Jesus, Nazareth, why have you come to destroy us before our time? They knew who Jesus was all along. They knew he'd come from heaven. They knew he was the son of God. They knew everything. And Jesus uh, did not answer that question. And they asked him, they asked him if he would let him go. And he did. He turned him loose. And the biblical story said he turned him loose. He said, we are many because our, our name is Legion. Legion is about 6,000 Roman troops. So 6,000 mm-hmm. demons in this man. And he turned them loose into these hogs. And these hogs uh, went down a steep cliff and drowned themselves in the water. Now the demons are loose again. My point is, of course, the funny part of the story is, if there is one, uh, why did he turn them loose into these hogs? Because these Jews were raising hogs, which is Pork is is a, is a forbidden food of the Jew, but they were raising them to sell to the Gentiles. So Jesus saw that, and he put an end to that story real quick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's really kind of funny. Because because they're they're all the river. River. Yeah, he put them all out of business. <laughs> uh, anyway, so uh, <laughs> demons do inhabit people, and uh, you see this more prominently in uh, places like India, and things like this. I've seen three cases of demon pos- actual demon possession in my life, two of them when I was in Korea and one here in the United States. And, and But we could safely say that demon in this case is non-human though. Even though, like you said, they might've had a body at one time, it was not a human, it's non-human per se. It wasn't not human. Not a, human. A funny, quick little story, if, if I may. Sure. Uh, a, a guy was going to a real estate meeting with me and my wife one night and uh, and uh, he was talking. He said, "I go to seances. I, I don't. I'm not like you weird Christians. I go. To, I go to the real stuff." And I said, "Real stuff, huh?" I said, "Okay." Um, I said, "What makes you think that what's being channeled there is in fact good or whatever?" You know, he said, well, we we get supernatural information, so it's good. I said, "Okay. I'm not. I'm not arguing with you. I'm asking." I'm not picking on anybody. I'm asking a question. And he says, what do you think it is? I said, it's the spirit of a giant. Over at least 6,000 years old. And he said, well, you're crazy. And I said, okay. I was gone at a a UFO meeting speaking that next week when they went to the real estate meeting. And he, he was with my wife and he says, I want to talk to your husband. She said, why? He says, well, I did the stuff he told me to do at that meeting. And some weird stuff happened. And he said, a voice spoke out the woman and said, why do you want to know who I am? And he said, it finally admitted it was the spirit of a giant, 35,000 years old. How did your husband know all this weird stuff? He said, it's actually in the Bible. <laughs> he mu- I wonder if he kept going. What do you think? He returned to those seances? Uh, he- he never, Probably not. Coming to real estate meetings, he I, I don't know what happened to the guy. He took off after that. It was kind of funny. Well, and, and this, it all leads back to that, you know, because I see some people want to put the UFO extraterrestrial thing field separate 
from what you're talking about. In in in, in a on a I don't know if you want to call it on a spiritual level where they overlap basically is what you're describing. They they actually do, and I I, I have um, I uh, people have to understand that. Uh, uh, let me let me back this up a little. One more step to kind of cap this into a really great message for you you and your audience uh, of okay. our research. Uh, I. I am the alien hunter. I constructed a way to interact with the alien and uh, I did it where, with some very special techniques and it. I didn't know if the plan would work or not, but it did. And they ended up abducting ten of, uh, eight of our people in two states and several cities, took them by small craft to a massive craft. And we know that that story is probably true because uh, someone in Japan was filming the moon at the time. And they filmed a craft about 50 miles thick, 600 miles across. That's where our people were taken. That's, so we that's may right. have the actual film of the of this UFO. Okay. Important thing is, guess who was on that massive craft besides the alien? Who? Cool. Two representatives of them, of the ones who made Hatchclone, the fallen ones. And they... Uh, had all seven of these entities lined up, the so-called alien presence. All seven mm -hmm. of them are lined up and are all shaking. They're scared of the big guy sitting in the chair. Now, two people were involved in this. One was my senior investigator because they wanted to find out what I knew and how I knew it. So they, okay. the best way to do that would be to get my senior investigator as an engineer and and uh, they had him in that room. And in the other room, there was another guy sitting in the big chair uh, facing the woman that I had programmed for this whole event. And she was being asked some questions as well. The very first thing they asked my senior investigator is, why did he do this? They did this all mentally. And okay. my senior investigator said instantly, your face, picture, and all information about what happened that they knew became immediately clear in my mind. And I said, I don't know. And he said, that guy got so mad. He said, everybody in the line, including Bigfoot, were shaking. They didn't know what to think. Okay. And he said, he's the Nordic, the tall Nordic, uh, Dale is 6'2". The Nordic was about 6'6", six, 6'8". Six, six, and he came over to Dale and put his forehead on Dale's forehead and put his hands on both sides of his face like this and looked at him and looked back at the guy sitting in the big chair and said, he doesn't know. At that point, the guy knew he wasn't lying to him. But again, if they're, if they're all knowing, why don't they know all of this? They exactly. Don't. They, right. don't. they don't know everything. They want you to think they do. But you so, know what? It's very scary to think that the, the, the ones running the show are considered fallen beings, whatever you want to call them, the angels, you know, whatever. That, that's, that's very scary. Well, they, the, there were three questions that were asked by both of these people in that room that kind of will answer the big questions for you and your audience, I think, ultimately. Mm -hmm. But most people don't want to study this for 40 years as I have. Uh, they want to know the bottom line. And here's the bottom line. The first question they wanted to know is, what is Project Prometheus? Project Prometheus is a project, a secret government project to steal technology from the alien. Period. 
they had found that out, but they didn't, they didn't know who was in charge or anything like that. Number two, second question, ready for this? Let's hear it. They produced a human brain in a holographic form in front of Dale. <clears throat> and they asked him, the head guy said, point to the human soul. Where is it? Oh. In the other room, they were questioning this woman. And she said, I questioned all these people separately. I never allowed them to talk to each other. I questioned her separately. And she said, a computer screen. Should I use the word computer? Because I don't, it wasn't a computer. But the right. screen-like thing appeared on right. the wall. And she said, and a human brain showed up. And they said, point to the human spirit. Where is it? I said, isn't it curious that they did not know? Mm-hmm. Like they're trying to, uh, uh, basically they're looking for it and anatomically like like uh, tangible, in other words, source. Well, as I told people, they, that people always tell me, they're here from another planet, they're visiting us from Zeta Particula, and I said, I said <laughs> spare me. I said, the Pleiades? I, 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 I've already, I've already been through all of that. I said, here's the bottom line for you. I said, Let's assume they did come from the Pleiades or whatever. I don't care. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying that Probably because I, I said, let's start with this, the movie Star Wars, which says some, somebody's come a long, long, long way, far away to get what you have because they know something about you you don't know. There's an ancient scripture that says you were created wonderfully. And and I don't think you have a clue, but I think they do. Okay. There's nothing like you in the entire universe anywhere. Why aren't they on other planets doing stuff? Right. Why here? Why you? Mm-hmm. 45% of the people taken will be Native American, Indian, Irish, Celtic. Why is that? That's a great question. <laughs> Nobody knows it. Well, I, I can give you an answer, but I don't know it's the answer, but it's, uh, it is an answer. Uh, one PhD was questioning me one night, and he said, well, the reason they chose the Native American Indians, Celtics, and the, the, the Irish is because they're all spiritual people. And I said, what if that wasn't the case? He said, well, it has to be. And I said, why does it have to be? He said, because I don't have any other answer. And I said, that's exactly right. I said, maybe I can offer you another one. Okay. I said, the fact is, I said, if, you, if you're not black, you don't get to talk about black people. If you're not native, you don't get to talk about native people. If you're not Hispanic, you don't get to talk about Hispanic people, and so on. Right. I, said, I have all of those in my family, and I am native, and I am also Irish and uh, Scottish. And I said, here's the bottom line. I said, when you look at the... Native Americans, if you're if you come into like say the Sioux land back in the 1700s, you're probably going to get a, a close haircut, real close haircut called scalping. Right. You're going to have a real unpleasant experience. These people, uh, they're warriors. This is what they do. They fight. That's when you go to the the uh, the Notre Dame. There's a sign there, and it's sticking out of the ground. It says the Fighting Irish. I said, it doesn't sound very spiritual, does it? Scalping doesn't sound very spiritual, does it? I said, what is my point then? My point is, let's suppose the, the contactee's story from the alien is true. 
we're here to help you save the planet, fix those on hold, and upgrade you and all that. When are you going to get started? You hadn't done anything in 6,000 years. Everything right, exactly, exactly. So that's not true. So let's go to the next phase. Uh, they've already got you hoodwinked. I mean, you're already in, the, in in their fold, so to speak. And let's suppose what they're saying is true. I said, if that's true, I suspect that the people like me, the 45% that are not uh, compl in compliance, and okay, not okay. going to be in compliance. Right, but there's right. a way to downgrade this to do it in, in an instant. Do you think, well, it sounds like you believe also that it follows families around, that there's a genetic, I don't know, if observation of yes. Yes. families? Yes, there is. They don't have to get everybody. In some cases, they it's all the boys in our family, almost all the boys in our family. In some cases, mm -hmm. girls. Sometimes, some cases, only one person. Some person will come up to me at a conference and say, "No, one of my family's been taken, but me." And I said, "Ask your great grandma and your aunts and uncles privately, never publicly." Right. Tell them your experiences and just watch the look on their face. Fifty-five percent of all communication is the physiology of someone. All right. Thirty-eight percent is the tone, pitch, and timbre of their voice. Only seven percent the words believe it yeah the body language and so forth when you were talking about native americans and uh irish i was gonna say is there something genetically in other words are we talking genetics as in biological or is there something cultural and belief system it was like but then i'm thinking i would think maybe there's something of interest genetically for these two groups that they choose them for some reason there, maybe we don't understand. The, 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 the primary group I mentioned, 45%, uh, many of them are war, very warlike. Uh, mm -hmm. Exactly. Northern Spain are in that list, too. I just don't include that normally because they're a much smaller group. But their uh, history of the Basques is resplete with violence. Yes. They're never going to conquer them. They're, they're just, they're, they are their own. They have genetics that don't match anybody anywhere on the planet. No, exactly. They're including the language. Yes. So uh, there, there are components there that, uh, that we, we think we know and things that we're studying, but I don't think we know all the... The reason I do the study and the work on this is because we don't know, and the alien's never going to tell you. Never. Of not. Never going to tell you. They're like an intelligence committee. Why would the CIA say, oh... Yeah, we, we know all about that. We're going to tell you everything. You know, they call the Chinese up and say, oh, we're going to tell you all our nuclear secrets. We, we don't need them anymore. It's not going to happen. Not going to happen. They'll tell the Chinese, we, we think we got some pretty good weapons, but uh, uh, we can't tell you anything. You know, we do, man, we don't. And they all play these games with gas, outsmart each other and big right. bombs and so on. That's the thing is be wary of the information you're given. Thank you. I mean, yeah. Do you think, and, and sometimes I wonder, you know, exactly like what you said, you know, about so, so they say all this technology that we've advanced so quickly because we've taken spacecrafts and all their technology. And I'm thinking, well, what if that's not the case? Don't we have to be careful on the back engineering of some of the technology that we don't understand that we kind of like do something, you know, like you're back engineering on like, on what? I enjoy my uh, 
interview with you more than many other people. And the reason is you think. You don't just ask questions. You actually think about things and you, you come to some reasonable conclusions. One of them is, because uh, people always say this, all those UFOs out there, it's us. And all those cattle mutilations, that's just the government did that. that that's, I said, you're, don't, don't be daft. I said, the fact is the government does cattle mutilations just like the alien does. One spying on the other. Don't you get it? I said, if you want to know if the aliens, if, if I have friends who are good investigators to say the whole entire mutilation thing is all the government. And I, I, and I argue with them when they're a police officer, one of them is, and he finally said, you got a case, make it. And I said, I'll, I'll make the case. And I, I said, you're going to be sorry you even challenged me. I said, number one, I said, I, I can show you pictures of an alien chiseled into rock holding sheep that he's stealing from the Navajo Indians. That's a thousand years old. Number two, I said, there is a case where tons of meat, sliced meat, some of it human, lungs, heart, etc., fell from the skies, tons of it. Yeah, but that still could be the intelligence community. I said, the case happened in the 1800s. That's 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 hot. That's I'm torn between saying that's so intriguing to that's so horrible. Part of me is like that's horrible, but yes. the other part of me is like what? And I'll I'll give you a case in point here, a recent case in point. Uh, one of the best remote viewers in the world is a guy named Dr. Russell Targ. I was on a scientific panel with him and other scientists. Um, this was at uh, Contact in the Desert, the big, con the biggest conference UFO. Mm -hmm. I know, world. I know what that is. And so while I was there, <clears throat> Russell Targ, they asked him some questions, and he said, and "Of course, most of the people in that audience are like UFO believers, and they, you know, they say the planet fix it was on hold and do great things for us. We just don't get it." And he said, they asked him, "What's the scariest thing you ever did with remote viewing?" He said, "Well, I was working for the CIA, me and this lady." And he said, uh, we were remote viewing the Kremlin and we're remote viewing a particular safe that had specific information in it that obviously the government wanted, the CIA. He said, the scariest thing is I instantly began to notice, and she did too, that both of us were being remote viewed at the same time. We were remote viewing that. He said, it scared me half to death, made me wonder. When you're leaving your body doing this stuff, somebody might be in there when you get back. He said, that scared me half to death. He said, the other thing was we were remote viewing a, a UFO. And he said, that we remote both independently remote viewed it and both described the exact same things. And we described uh, dozens of dead human beings on board craft. And, uh, then they went around to me and said, Mr. Sims, would you like to come in on uh, Dr. Targ or other things about this as well? And I said, I looked at uh, Dr. Targ and I said, I do not have the remote viewing acumen that you do. I, however, have my own methods. I said, we have abductees. These are referred to as my pilots. They're going to get abducted anyway. But some of them, very few, some of them are trainable for certain types of 
invasiveness on those craft. And I have used them as my own spies. And I can say with great authority, in concert with your findings in remote viewing, in one case, there were several hundred containers filled with a white milk-like liquid, and they were human beings in each one of them. Dead. I was going to say dead, right? And I mean to tell you, everyone in that entire audience did not say one word, and Russell Targ looked at me for the longest time. Daryl, were they upset because you went kumbaya about the ETs? Is that it? <laughs> because that's exactly. And, I, and, and I'm glad you're bringing that up because I wish it was that. And I hear that a lot. And just like you, I don't want to discount it. But at the same time, I'm always thinking there's something here that doesn't add up. You know, you can't be mutilating animals. Let's go with the, with the theory that it's them or doing all of these things. And, but at the same time, you want to make them like benevolent. It, those two things just don't add up That's or right. that they came and they've been visiting us and they're giving us information, you know, since ancient time. There's something here. Um, I want to say when you, especially when you see some of these shows that they talk about from ancient times, a lot of the efforts of these ancient civilizations was appeasement. The right. effort that they were making to appease whatever, if they want to call them gods, because they didn't understand that these were extraterrestrials. And when you have to appease something, that means you fear it. Yes. When uh, I was confronted with this, uh, these views as well, I, w I went to India to do an implant surgery. And uh, the lady that took me there uh, said, I want to fly you over to Mumbai. And I said, okay, I want to go to the National Museum there. And she said, okay. And uh, I did my photography and I left. And it was finished very quickly. She said, there's a lot more to see. And I said, I have filmed everything I need. I know what I want. I know, I know what I need. And so uh, long story short is that um, the uh, two of the people that were with me, two of the guides that were with me, they were Hindu, of course. And they said, we want to know what you know. We want to know what the, what the alien hunter knows all about the UFO phenomena. And I said, I don't think that you do. And I, I'm not here to offend you, your religion, or your sensibilities. I did not come to do that. And they finally took me to the place where uh, Krishna comes every night and with his 10,000 wives. And there's a big place to take a bath and all kinds of stuff in this big forest. Okay. And I said... Uh, Okay, I said, Christian comes here every night. I said, yes, that's why they lock it up and got, got sheriffs here and, you know, guns and keep everybody out. I said, well, what if I get in? You will die. And I said, they always say that, but I never do. <laughs> and he said, what do you mean? And I said, well, let's just walk around here. But first of all, this is what a four acre size little forest park basically he said yeah i said look at that giant water tank over there you said that he bathes there every night he said yeah i said the water's filthy and it's only about five feet deep like it's been rained in for a long time and never been used ever so if krishna is coming here to bathe don't you think he would want some better water than that 
And Especially they, if he's a deity. They're all eyes are getting bigger and bigger. And I said, I told you I didn't want to answer your questions. Well, we want to hear everything. I said, no, you don't. That is, when Krishna is often shown, he's blue. Why is that? Blue is the color of heaven. I said, uh, okay. I said, but my point is that I didn't want to get into the movies, but the blue man of uh, Avatar. Right. Where did they Where did they get that idea? Well, he'll tell you himself, the, the, the maker of the movie, he said, those are the ones I saw. Really? Well, I got, didn't know that. That's where he got the idea. <clears throat> My point is, I said, I said, you have Krishna, Arjuna, and so on and so on. He said, yes, yes, yes. And I said, what you probably are not understanding is that these are, uh, they nuked whole cities, according to your literature. Nuked whole cities. Exactly. He said, uh, yes. And I said, in fact, scientists have come here and found the same radioactive remains. It's true. It happened. The Vimanas, the flying disc, the flying craft came here that they rode upon. And when they got mad or whatever, somebody, they just knew toll cities and made them pay. I said, I think what you're not looking at is that they are them. And I, the one said, wow, that's, that's a great observation. The other one was horrified and was uh -huh. very upset. And I said, I told you I didn't want to tell you that because I so I don't believe it. And I said, good. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, and like that's that's, that's fine. Keep on where you were. I don't I'm not here to offend anyone. Right. You ask the question. If you don't don't ask questions that the answers are bigger than. Well, but human nature is the one once you said that it was now we gotta know because that's the way we are, you know, like, oh now I I, I want to hear the so for me, the bottom line is simply this. They got me when I was little. It was the first, so it was a gray. The second time, a gray picked me up when I was in the third grade, and he took me to a praying mantis. When he finished with me, I was pulling the heads off of grasshoppers by the hundreds the next day. Wow. I couldn't figure out what it was because I like animals. I love insects. I looked at the little... Uh, Grasshopper's head next to mine, my eye, and I realized, oh my gosh, that's the wrong kind of head. It was a praying mantis head, one I was after. Okay, but that was the closest thing. My point is that, it, and, and then I got a nasal implant at age 12, and all these had specific reasons, and at age 17, they ended abducting me. They sent, uh, and the guy asked me, he said, well, you, why don't you just describe with them and tell us all about that? And I said, no. I said, I will, now, and I'm talking to a, a group of millionaires in a room in Tampa, Florida, about mm -hmm. 30. And then they all, they're all contactees. They believe they're here to save the planet, fix those own. I said, I don't think I can contribute anything to your body of knowledge. It will make you happy. They said, we want to know what happened to you. And I said, well, I'm not going to describe them, but I will give you a metaphor that will describe it for you because metaphors carry huge amounts of information without a lot of detail. He said, please do. And I said, okay, imagine, if you will, a beautiful green hill with all these cows on it. And one of the cows is called cow 213. That one would be me. 
And there's this little guy with a little milk bucket, little gray walking toward one of these cows. And I look at the other cow and I say, who's that? And he said, that's the milkman. Uh-huh. What's he doing? He milks cows. Uh-huh. And one day, years later, the little guy with the milk bucket comes toward cow 213. That was me. And I said, hey, 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 what do you think you're doing? He said, I'm here to milk the cow. And I said, I don't think so. He goes back and tells the people at the milk factory, he won't let me milk him. And they said, "Huh? tell him that you love him. Tell him you're special. That always works. Yeah. So he comes back and tells me that, and I end up kicking him down the hill. <laughs> he goes back all scuffed up and everything. He says, look what he did to me. He comes <laughs> says, scare him. That always works. So he comes back, oh, well, it didn't work. After 13 years of contact and that little guy getting kicked down the hill, so to speak, he said, look what he did to me. I said, and that's, that's what went on for 13 years. And the head millionaire in the room, and I know him very well, he's worth $52 million at the time. And he said, well, what happened next? I said, they sent the butcher. <laughs> and that's when... Now, I was going to say, the only reason when you said 17 is that you were not with the program anymore. That's the only reason why they sent the cleaner over. It couldn't be controlled. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I think that they play a lot on people's fear of being ordinary because, oh. like you said, they feel special. It's like, what's wrong with being ordinary? Of course. Do you think... Well, I, I, yeah. I, you know, you hear now, like, when we talked, we, we briefly spoke on it uh before you know that in 2017 the government made that big announcement kind of like they kind of admitted that they had invested money in ufos and, and even then they don't want to say they're extraterrestrial they just say they can't identify these Correct. things do you think that they're going to finally make any type of announcement significant and is there any truth to it or is that just going to be like okay we got to say something well, um, funny you should bring that up. I, I can answer that. Yes. Having been in the intelligence community, I was uh, talking with uh, someone that was uh, claimed to be in the intelligence community before, and I knew that he wasn't. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but he's got a lot of people fooled. And they asked him this question, and he says, oh, disclosure's imminent. They're, everything's happening so fast now. It's coming any day. And they looked at me, his PhD looked at me and said, Daryl, you were in the CIA. What do you think? And I said, hierarchy, the, 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 the idea of, uh, of us being, quote, unquote, uh, this idea of, uh, of us being told the big one called disclosure, I mean, yeah. that sort of happening, it's never going to happen. You can just forget it. And I said, what? Uh, and he I looked at him and I said, I said, I've talked to you before and I've tried to instruct you that uh, 
you can bring a congressional investigation, you can bring Congress, you can bring the president if you like. They already, they've been waiting for you for over 30 years. They already have those cover stories ready for right. And you're going to like them. Cover stories are, tr they, they're, they're just like their plausible deniability. They, they're just like the truth. Yeah. I mean, gosh, what landed at Roswell could have been an, a, a weather balloon. Could have been. It wasn't. And we have 232 witnesses. Some of them died on their deathbed testifying to that, including military senior officers. It could have been a weather balloon, but it wasn't. That's called a cover story. And they've got some cover stories for you. I said recently, and I told everybody this, a, the, I said this story broke recently, and it's on the internet. You can read it and find it yourself, or I'll send it to you. But the point is simply this. A, a, an admiral in the DNI, well, I think he was, uh, I think he was the deputy director of the Defense Intelligence Agency. Okay. Uh, he went to the Pentagon and said, I want to know about all this UFO stuff. And, they, and the short version is, they told him, we don't know nothing about it. And finally, one guy said, you're going to have to go talk to this private corporation. There you he said, go. what? And so he finally, it took him weeks to get into this corporation. They finally gave him a meeting. And they said, he said, I want to know you, uh, if you got any back engineered stuff. They said, yes. Oh, well, I want to know what is it? Uh, where did you get it? From the Chinese, the Russians, or where? They said, no. Where did it come from? They said, out there. Where? From the alien. And he's sitting there stunned. Mm -hmm. Well, you, you mean, do you, are you trying to tell me that you've got hardware? He said, we have captured craft. And he says, well, I'm going to, you're going to tell me all this. I'm going to, they said, no, we're not. And they said, you're a private court. You can't tell defense intelligence agency to do this. You can't, you can't do that. He said, and, yes, they can. Them and they said, would you like to keep one or two of those stars? There you go. And not lose your retirement. That was the end of that conversation. Stopped out of there and went back to his boss, the chief of the Defense Intelligence Agency, and said, I found all this out and I found this. And the, the boss looked at him, the head, and said, don't ever discuss that subject with me, with anyone in this building, or with anyone else anywhere, ever. Do yeah, I'm going to pretend that we did not have this conversation. It didn't happen. And if you want your job, you, you know it didn't happen. And that's just exactly, I'm telling you, they're wait, they've been waiting 30 years for some goof like that to walk up and threaten them. Well, it ain't going to happen. And, 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 and I think, you know, you mentioned like what happened in Roswell and all these crashes that you even have people that on their deathbeds or once they're retired, like it's, I, I got to say this, I got I to gotta say the truth of what I saw. Yes. I'm thinking, for all the people, and I'm not talking Roswell, other experiences that never say anything. And I and one of the things I propose is not only, like you said, if they have some type of either if it's a military career or anything, 
that they're thinking that same thing that you described. And I'm thinking they also got a fear for their families because they're thinking, what if then they look at my family and wonder, what did I ever tell my family members about what I saw? I met someone like that in uh, La Luz, New Mexico. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, a friend of mine, I was uh, there visiting, and he said, well, why don't you go study UFOs or something? I said, oh, great. I'll just go out and find one. And he says, look at the guy in the picture on my desk. And I said, yeah. He said, he lives right over here. And I said, you're kidding. And he said, well, what about him? He said, he was supposed to ply the bodies out of Roswell. There you go. And I went over, and I heard the guy on the phone. But I said, call him up and tell him I'm coming. And I heard the guy screaming over the phone, tell him he better not come over. Hell no. And he's screaming horribly, these obscenities. Mm-hmm. And I said, give me the address. I went over, and it, that must have been 110 degrees out in that desert. And I went over and uh, watched him work on his Corvette Stingray, old Corvette Stingray in his garage. And I, never, I just stood there and watched him. And he sn- just sneered at me as, he, as I stood there watching. And I said, you know, that's the worst car I ever drove in my entire life. He looked at me and said, you really have ridden in an old Corvette Stingray. I said, yes, I have. They drive like, like a tank. He said, well, come on inside. I said, yes, sir. Got inside. We talked around. He said, you like some tea? I hate tea. I said, love some tea. And so I tea with him. And finally, he said, are you going to ask me about Roswell or not? And I said, well, I didn't want to butt in or, you know, unless you wanted me to. <laughs> it's like. He told me the whole story. And I said, why have you not come forward with this? And he says, because. Look, he said. If we said we found a flying saucer one day, and then the next day said we didn't have it, it was a weather balloon, what might happen to the pilots that flew the bodies? Mm-hmm. He said, I was I would prefer to go to prison than risk that. He said, I let me not fly them. He said, but my best friend did. I said, once you put me in touch with him, he said, I'll never talk to you. I said, they said the same thing about you. You always do. Because I'm trustworthy, I'll never give you up. I'm red, white, and blue. I got a top secret clearance. I said I'm not going to give anybody up. Not a, not a chance. But he was worried about his that he they thought that they would jerk his uh, retirement. Mm-hmm. Sure. I said what you don't understand is that 50 years ago that would probably been true. Today it isn't true. Things have changed. What you're the biggest safety net you could have ever, ever, ever had was to talk. Right. As but far as do anything to you after that, it's proof that they're guilty. Do you think that um, do you think that there is such a thing as men in black and as in the ones that that you hear that come and talk to people and tell them? And I'm not saying even modern times, but you always hear that they're the the, the ones that come in and say, shut up. Don't say anything about what you saw. There are two kinds. One in the 50s, there were people from the Office of uh, Air Force Investigations that did that. They drove black sedans and they were very ominous. Black Mm -hmm. sunglasses and the whole night scared people half to death. I have a friend of mine. She's the last living witness at Roswell. Okay. He was approached by a couple of these guys. And they, they told her, this desert's really big. Nobody will ever find your body. And yeah. 
she to this day is very careful about what she says. I bet. So the other kind of MIBs, men in black, are the alien. They are okay. in these entities that are part parcel to the alien phenomena. They, whenever there's a problem the alien can't solve or deal with, mm-hmm. they send them. In my case, when they couldn't deal with me or my relatives or whatever, they sent them. They're there to try to fix the problem. They're okay. a lot more effective than the alien. So they're like the fixer. Exactly. So do you think we're eventually going to have to have a showdown with them? And I'm not talking soon. I'm talking at some point. I think they're based on our best information. The program will be over five years, three years, 10 years, whatever it is, because it's almost over now. They admitted that. And that it basically had failed. What they're looking for, if it's a soul or whatever it is, a spirit of human mm-hmm. beings, they have not been able to isolate it. Whenever they try to separate the soul or the spirit from a human being, it's called death. Right. So, uh, and, uh, anyway, the, the point is that whatever their program was, if that was it, it didn't work. And so there's going to be another program, in my opinion. Okay. And that program will be quite a bit different, and it's going to be pretty horrific when it comes. Uh, there is a, again, and, and we studied ancient books like ancient Sumerians, Workins, ancient Hebrews, ancient Egyptians, all kinds of people to get their information about the past. But some of those ancient cultures have lived like the Hebrews, and we actually have ancient information that has predicted the future. And one of the things that's predicted, in my opinion, correctly, is one of the last programs that's going to be instituted on Earth by them. And that one is referred to biblically as the tribulation. Okay. That one, uh, fascinatingly enough, if you study it carefully, Mm -hmm. the Antichrist is described by the prophet... uh, um, Daniel, and he's described, he said, I saw him and was sick certain days after I saw him. I beheld him and he had the eyes of a beast. That has two two connotations to me. First, uh, I've raised wild animals and I can assure you when they get ready to kill even a, even a little dog, little mm-hmm. dog, doctor, they'll kill all the little chicks or all the little Right, you know, you don't train them; they'll kill every one of them just for the fun of it. They, they mm-hmm. it, it's, it's just the way it is. It's nature. Uh, he has the eyes of a beast. He will destroy humans like you can't imagine. The second thing is he has the eyes of a beast because he is a transgenic. That's interesting. Something manufactured. Thank you. Something very human. Mm-hmm. Maybe one of the things they're looking for—the soul, the spirit, and so on. Right. Also a beast. In my opinion, that's what he's actually called the beast. Do you think that something manufactured a human hybrid would have would have a soul? Is that do you think that part of the just don't know? I I I suspect that he is human and something else. Do you think a human hybrid with whatever is capable of having a soul because of 
the human I think or no? As a soul to begin with, that's the big the big thing. Right. Uh, the second part is what he becomes. That's scary because basically you've described them as being psychopathic. He is all of that. By human standards, I'm saying. He is, he is all of that. He destroys uh he destroys their the scripture talks about seven kings, the seven kingdoms of, of Europe. It's a European uh, delegation. And uh, and uh, some of those kings will resist him when he decides to take full power and says he will destroy those kings within an hour. Their whole kingdom. That sounds... Uh, He's a beast. He, none that's of this matters. Yeah. Well, that, that, that sounds like... He has a higher goal. So he, let's he see wants. what happens at the end. Do you think that... Well, because in, in you know, when you, when you talk about, you know, you know, as far as, you know, every... And I guess what I'm saying is people look at them sometimes as being the answer to the problems we have of war or self-destruction. But then... You never think, okay, so what happens if we look to God for... Yeah, I think Jesus Christ came here for that. As purpose. the ultimate ally. He showed he showed himself to... Man came made himself a sacrifice for mankind to forgive sin and give people eternal life. People mm -hmm. choose not to take that. that It's a free gift. It's free. Uh, and I think they should. By the same token, uh, the war in heaven, so to speak, the, uh, all of that... Uh, the fall of them, the, of, of the uh, fallen ones, the fall, the, the time of their falling, and all of that has been a complete war ever ever since then. I mean, that's uh, they there there is if if you got thrown out of a bar, let's say you were the best, the biggest, toughest guy there, and mm -hmm. all of a sudden the bar owner threw you clean out, never to visit again. Uh, a lot of people take pretty great offense to that sort of thing, and they're, they're coming after some of your stuff, sure. your house, your place, your park, whatever it is that's yours. And when I think uh, Lucifer got thrown out of heaven and his crew, I think they came like lightning down to earth for one specific purpose. But the problem was the earth is still protected. There are unfallen beings that protect it. Okay. Gabriel, uh, Uriel, uh, Arch and many, many other angels. The scripture says that Jesus had 60, uh, 72,000 angels assigned to him while he was on earth. He never, ever even needed them. When the 120 soldiers came and arrested him at night before the crucifixion, they asked him, are you he? And he said these two words. I am. And the scripture says all 120 fell over. He was just showing the power in his voice alone. And then he went with them willingly. He said, no man takes my life from me. I give it. That's a sacrifice. Yeah, it is. It's pretty amazing stuff to me. Very much so. Very much so. Daryl, I want to thank you so much. It has been Fascinating is an understatement. Uh, the interview, the information that you've given. I'm going to have a link to your website on the credits of the show. But for my podcast listeners, what is the website that they can visit? 
alienhunter.org if you want to look at uh, actual evidence and a lot of things, a lot of fun stuff there, a lot of things you can read. And it's, mm -hmm. it's not super technical. It's not designed to overwhelm you or to confound you or uh, anything like that. I, I don't, I like making, keeping things as simple as possible because you don't, when you have to make something complicated, it's, you're trying to make yourself look bigger or better. Uh, and I, I don't like that kind of stuff. I even tell the doctors, stop talking medicalese to us, speak in English. Right. Oh, well, he's got a heart condition. Oh, okay. thanks. <laughs> I don't need to know 40 other letters in, in another language what that might mean. I mean just, exactly. just make it easy for everybody. Absolutely. Absolutely. Again, Daryl, it has been wonderful. And I'm hoping that later on you'll come back um, and talk some more because uh, there's so much in this whole, I don't want to say this whole area that, that, Sometimes people look at it separately, and I agree with you. There's a lot of it that overlaps. Yes. Um, whether it's ufology, um, paranormal, crypto. I mean, it's like a physical, spiritual thing. And some people want to put them in separate camps, but not really. That's fine. They often want to do that because they can't deal with one of the area they're wanting to exclude. Of course. Exactly. And the paradigm, their, their reality will go, eh. And then, then what else is out there that I poo-pooed as yeah. being, um, you know, somebody's imagination? I don't want any questions bigger than, any answers bigger than their question. God, it's, you know, it's going to interrupt my Netflix binge time. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> if I have to really think about what the existential questions like that, no. I'd know? like to leave one piece of information with your audience. Though. Sure, of course. And it's just a little saying that I have. That's kind of cool. Um, I tell my wife this, and she just says it's the greatest thing you've ever come up with. And I said, Okay. <laughs> and uh, I said, There are many things. And she said, No, this is it. And I said, Okay. And it's simply this one of the biggest enemies of truth is that you think you already know the answer. That's right. And I think. That applies to us, anybody. I think a lot of us, as uh, I want to say modern times or civilized, I don't know what you want to call them, we've kind of fallen into that, unfortunately. Yeah. We exclude a lot. There you go. Well, it's been a pleasure being with you. You've, uh, no, you're, you're absolutely. Very smart. You're, I, love your, I love your questions. You really pry into the meat of what's really there. Yes, because I, I think that there's a lot of... Uh, I don't want to UFO babble. How's that that's, going on? That's absolutely correct. And um, and like I said, it's like I bet you that like what you described psychologically, they're going to say this is the version that'll make everybody happy if we give this version of when we just do the disclosure, sure. disclosure that people go, oh, okay, see, it's not bad. <laughs> and I don't by this I don't mean to. I think fear uh, is a bad thing. But sure. I think much, much worse is to fool yourself into thinking, yes. you know, you want to, because you don't want your reality. Like I said, you're, 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 I'm so busy, you know, I've got my to-do list, <laughs> my right. first world problems. Fast food version of it. Exactly. <laughs> Again, thank you so much, Daryl. It has been great. You Take so care. Good luck to you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
Wow. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, yeah, let me tell you something. I could think of so many things that I would love to talk to Daryl about because it's like, okay, but I need like a 10 hour show. And I think the, you know, and, and, I, and I know there's people that are going to listen to this and go, oh, Marlene, you know, you're making these, um, these aliens, let's extraterrestrials, whatever you want to call them, ETs, whatever. You know, you want to make them, they're bad. And, you know, uh, I, I looked at ancient aliens and they're not there. Maybe they're here trying to, you know, give us knowledge and we're just not ready for it. Or they've been trying to guide us or they've been tweaking us genetically for, but in other words, always to slant towards it's for our own good or to help us. And let me tell you something, he made a very good point. Okay, so at what at what point is the really good stuff going to come? Because and and I, and I and I said that one time in in another show, which is um, let's say that there had been alien contact and authorities, as in government, whatever, were aware of it, whatever, whatever, however it came about. And these powers that be said, you know, we're not we're not going to disclose this contact or the information that we're gaining these this beneficial information from this contact. Um, you would think that these species, I'm gonna, I don't know what to call them. Let's go with species of extraterrestrials. After a point, they would say, wait, 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 you know. And we're talking here if they're so benevolent and they want to help humankind. They would say, okay, you know what, governments, maybe we'll ask a couple of times you need to divulge this because we want to help humanity, as in humans. But uh, this thing of you wanting to hoard the, the information that we're giving you, uh, whether it's technology uh, or medical or whatever, but that's not the purpose of why we're here. We're here to help humanity. They would, at some point, get sick and tired of being, of, uh, being made like mythic, and they would say, okay, Let's land a few ships and let's push the government or the, the people that, that, that have control over this information. We're going to get them out of the way because the people of Earth need to know the truth about who we are and why, why we're here to help them. Why wouldn't they have done that by now? If they're benevolent, I'm saying, and they want to help us. And people might say, well, you know, Marlene, maybe they don't want people to go wig out. Yeah, okay, I think that's going to happen one way or the other, but because see, remember, if they were benevolent and they are here to help humankind or humanity or you want to, they're not going to be on board with a government or whatever. When I say government, it could be anything, you know, whatever was there, monarchy, whatever, any organization that's going to basically manipulate and keep the information or the benefits of that knowledge for themselves or even use it to control people. They'd be like, wait a minute. That's not the intent of why we came and came here. We're here. We didn't come here to help you. We came to help all of you. And I don't think that's happened. And, and, and I've said it before and, and you know, I'm like most humans. Part of me wants to think, you know what? In the end, this is going to be all right, and they're really here to help us, and they're going to make sure that we don't blow each other up or whatever, do something stupid, um, 
And that's a very comforting thought. But you have to be really careful when you let the comfort part or the comfort aspect of a conclusion cloud your judgment about what's really going on in front of you because the alternative is difficult to face. And that's what I'm talking about. I'm not saying I, I think like Daryl and a lot of human beings that question, well, what are the what, what is the intent of extraterrestrials that have been visiting the earth, whether it's been recent or lang whatever? It's comforting. You, you would want to think there's nothing to worry about. But in reality, without having a definite positive proof, yeah, there is something to worry about. And hoping that they're not um, that they're not going to use maybe their superior technology against us in some way, which they haven't already. That's like, man, that's like hoping. But that doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. It's almost like a, a, a sugar pill, a placebo kind of thing. That it's like, okay, I, I need to think of, I need to think of this, this way. Because if not, and you think, well, well, what's the alternative? What if the, we do look at it and think, okay, these beings are might not be friendly, or they might be kind of like. Um, how can I say, not compassionate. If you don't want to call them evil, we don't have to use, because that's a very loaded word, evil. But maybe they're not as compassionate as we would like them to be as human beings because they don't, they don't see things the way we do. Still, let me tell you, any, <clears throat> any being or species or whatever you want to call them who would have power over us and has no compassion, that's very troubling. That's a very troubling thought. Basically, we're at their mercy. And it's like, okay, well, you know what? We haven't done worse because we've been using them, whatever. I mean, there's so many questions surrounding that. But I think that there's a big danger in just trying to always look at it is in they're here and they're our friends. And the ones that do the cattle mutilations, that's not the good ones. Mm. You know, I, I, somehow I have a problem with that. I have a problem with that. Because let me tell you something. You would think that any of these beings, whatever they are, as advanced as you imagine that they would be, what need would you have of mutilating an animal or humans or whatever for knowledge? That's, I mean, you would think, hey, you would be so advanced that you could do like a scan thing and I just collected all the information I need, the anatomy, uh, maybe tissue, whatever. I don't need to be invasive. I don't need to cut, you know, much less uh, make an animal or a human suffer. That aspect, I'm sorry. That is very troubling. And whoever ignores it and doesn't see it or the possibility is like fooling themselves. Because I know the alternative is very troubling to think that we're all running around uh, thinking we're the masters of the ship. What is it? Uh, captain of our destiny or whatever. And we're every, anything but. But I, I, a lot of what Daryl said, though, tells you they're not omnipotent. Uh, they do. They're not all knowing. Uh, and they do have weaknesses. 
And I want to suspect that there's something about us that they do need, you know, whatever it is that they want, and which I really, I don't think has ever been fully. I mean, a lot of people ask it, but after a while, it's like, what do they really want? Good question. But anyway, guys, I hope you like the show. I love speaking to Daryl. I'm hoping you'll come back and talk and tell us more about, um, you know, like he said, he's interviewed so many people. I've had so many experiences, you know, besides his own personal one that I, I would just love to hear, you know, um, especially all these abductees or, uh, you know, what's been the effect for them? You know, whether it started as a child, like what happened with him or as adults, or if there was another triggering event um, or also like he, which I, I didn't know what he mentioned that, that there was a large, uh, I guess when you have the ability to crunch numbers of abductees or contactees that are either Native American or Irish American, like that's interesting. Like why? I mean, we can make a, hypoth a hypothetical guess at it, but we really don't understand why would they prefer or pick these groups of people over others. So I'm hoping you'll come back. And thank you guys for being part of my audience. Don't forget, you can go to MiamiGhostChronicles.com. You get their links to all the social media platforms I'm on, video links, and also podcast links. If you want to download the podcast and listen to it, you can do that from MiamiGhostChronicles.com. You can go to MarlenePardo.com. And don't forget, I also have two podcast series that I narrate, which is SupernaturalStoryTime.com and NightshadeDiary.com. So again... Uh, I have a lot of interesting guests coming on, just like Daryl. A lot of different subjects. So please, don't forget to come back. And thank you for spending this time with me. Take care. <laughs>